Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Our next guest today is author Jamie Varon. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Jamie Varon. We'll find out when I have her on. So I did not mean to have a little rhyme there, but she has a new novel out called Main Character Energy, and this is featuring a plus size protagonist. I'm so excited to get my hands on this one this summer. And I think this is just one of those people that I'm really excited to meet. We DM'd back and forth a little bit. I actually followed her after one of her posts that went fairly viral over the realm of relatability. We'll get into that a little bit in some of the, not even controversy, the conversations that came out from that individual post. I was really drawn to it. Some other people were really drawn to it, but we live on a different side of things too. So I think it's an, an interesting conversation and I'm excited to have her on. We, ha- She's just one of those people that when I started following her, her words are just so insightful. Her writing is obviously very, very great. She also has a book called Radically Content about being satisfied in an endlessly dissatisfied world. I feel like she's going to add a lot of value to our life today. So buckle up, listen up, and welcome to the show. Jamie Varon. I said it right. You welcome did. to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you on. You just seem like a really cool person and you came up on my radar mostly because of that one post that went a little bit viral. We'll get into that in a minute, but let everybody know who you are and what it is that you do because it's more than just one singular thing. I realize that now. Yeah. So I, I would describe myself as multi-passionate just because I love all things creative. I've done so much. I have been a graphic designer, web designer, branding expert, creative consultant. I am an author now, and I've also done a course, like I created a course, I've done teaching. I've also, I'm an executive producer and consultant on the adaptation of my nonfiction book, Radically Content. So I'm just doing a lot. I'm out here following my passion and wherever my curiosity takes me. So I'm just, I'm a big yes person. Like if it, if it sounds interesting, like, let me try it. What's the worst that can happen? 
Me too, but to a fault. I say yes to everything that sounds cool. And then I'm like, why am I tired? And why am I so creatively drained? It's like probably because I say yeah. There's just, there's so much cool stuff. And when you have multi-passions, it can be a little tough. But I think a lot of what you're doing is so interesting. And I love that you have nonfiction and fiction and you're sort of writing a lot. Your Instagram posts are really cool, very insightful. How did you get into writing? Like what drew you to it? Is it something you've always naturally done? Because for me, I, I didn't start until like, I think blogging was genuinely what got me starting to write. And I think everyone sort of has a different story on how they got going. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, I was always reading so mm-hmm. many, I, I didn't go anywhere without a book in my hand. It was definitely my escape. And I guess I didn't know that you could like write for a living. I guess yeah. I didn't understand. I was like, I'm reading books, but I didn't realize people wrote them. I don't yeah. know. It just didn't, you know, I was like, like real it's, people write them. It's like when kids don't know that their teachers go home and have a family at night. They're like, right. what? You have a, there's another. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, Oh, wait, yeah. you're a real person who does things. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's weird. So I just didn't really get it. And mm-hmm. I, so I, I guess I just started. Yeah. I got into it with blogging too. 2007, 2008, when I graduated from college, I just started putting my words out there in whatever way I could. And it just kind of continued from there. And, you know, you go in and out, like sometimes you get burned mm-hmm. out and then you take yeah. a break and but it, it wasn't until the last, I'd say, five years that I've been really focused and, you know, haven't, I've been taking it a lot more seriously. Even still, I was always like outlining something, always working on something. But my problem was I had a lot of self-doubt. So I mm. had to work through, I just didn't think I was good enough, like ever. And, and even by the time I was like 21, I thought I was already behind. Like I should have oh, already wow. been a published. Yeah. I should have already been a published author by 21. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Teenage me was like kind of intense. You know? <laughs> like, <I'm, laughs> like, Jamie, give it a second. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of up against myself a lot of the time, mm-hmm. even though my writing would usually do really well. I've, uh, I, I mean, the term would be like, I've gone viral on multiple platforms and wow. my work really does connect with people. And so I never had any reason to believe it wouldn't, I I wouldn't do well, but I just had my, I was up against my own mind, which as we know, is like, it doesn't matter how much external validation you get, your brain doesn't get it sometimes. I also think it's hard for people to like, it's sort of like that. If you, if you run, then you're a runner. Like writing is one of those things that it's a hard thing to label yourself as, especially in an industry that's often minimized. I mean, at the beginning of blogging, I don't know that I would have called other bloggers writers. I would have called them bloggers. Like I minimized it. And so when I entered into it, I'm, I didn't even claim the title until some of my writing went somewhere. And that, that, that always disappoints me a little bit. Was there that I just like, didn't, that I didn't feel like it was legit enough that because I didn't have a book, then that I wasn't a writer or because I wasn't a journalist, I wasn't a writer. For you, as somebody who read so many books, I can understand like it would be hard to sort of shift the role into becoming the writer instead of the reader. And how did, did you have a certain point that you knew that you had a gift for connecting with people? Because it's a very it's a very tricky thing. And I feel like as somebody who writes a lot, there's a certain dance with words that you do in your head. And you're like, I wonder if anybody's going to get this. And then when they do, it's like, oh my gosh, it's it's so cool to see. But is there anything that you 
I don't know, like you obviously have a gift for it. Was it something that you knew? Is it something you worked on? I, I didn't really know, to be Mm -hmm. honest, it was because my path has been slow and steady. It has not been, I've had so many of those moments where I think like I went super viral in 2009 and was like on CNN and then it just tapered off. Yeah. And, you know, so it's just, it is really 15 minutes of internet fame for a second. And then Mm -hmm. you don't, you're not always at the place where you can capitalize on it. But I think it was 2021, like spring 2021, when one of my most like it was the most unlikely post of mine to go viral. It was super long on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It was super deep. I didn't think, I thought it was very niche. And then it was about like, how about you don't have to build an empire. You can just build like a generative, joyful life. And and then Marin Morris, the musician shared it on her. And I was like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I thought it was going to be you know, just such a niche thing. And who reads all of that? And you got to make it shareable and digestible. Mm. And I was like, I guess I'm just going to do it my way. And that sort of started so much. I mean, not just the Marin Morris, but like that kind of, I was like, whoa, okay. When I get specific, when I say the thing that I'm afraid to say, which Mm -hmm. I know you get this, it gets responses that you really can't even imagine when you go bland, when you go, when you try to appeal to every single person and try to say the thing that's like the least offensive and the least emotional, the least this, it doesn't really hit. But when you can, I started to realize that I could, I had this gift of being able to vocalize emotions and write down how people were feeling before they even knew they were feeling that way. Mm -hmm. And I started getting these comments that were like, I can't eat. How did you know I needed this? Yeah. You know, you get yes, that a lot. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. You know, how did you know I needed this? And I'm like, I don't know because I'm writing this for myself. Yeah, you know, exactly. I write these things to tell myself and remind myself of things I'm learning. So that was kind of like 2021 was when I thought, okay, this mm-hmm. is interesting and mm-hmm. this isn't normal. And I started to kind of feel like I was really able to inhabit my own power with this and Mm -hmm. really feel that I had a command of it. Cause I also, I just in the past had been very inconsistent. And so I, this kind of came on the heels of me being able to say, if I got a book deal, yeah, I could write a book, Mm -hmm. you know, I could actually Mm -hmm. do it. If I got the chance, I'd be able to do it. Cause I think sometimes we don't realize that we, we kind of sabotage ourselves if we don't think we'll be able to do the hard thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I felt really, I was like, I'm ready. And that's when like a book deal fell in my lap, literally like in my email. Oh my God. And that was the book. Yeah. It was, it was wild. I had let go of my agent because it wasn't working. And I got an email from a publisher being like, would you love, would you like to write a book? And I'm like, actually, yeah, I really would. Yeah. Yeah, Timing is everything though. Like, don't you feel that? Because I actually had, this is wild. Glennon Doyle's like agent came to me and was like, 
I lo- I would love to see you write a book. I'd love to. And I'm, it's never, I've never been ready for it. And I'm so content with that because I do feel like when the time is right to write a book, you will write the book. And I've watched so many of my friends have incredible books come out and I'm so proud of them. And I'm also like, I'm also really okay that like, it hasn't been my time yet because I haven't felt that yet. And I think one thing with writers, and I'd love to hear how it's been for you and is the last few years. I mean, when I think about like original social media or Instagram, for instance, it was very image driven with like a very, very short caption. And a lot of people know this as a part of my story is that like I started doing long captions because I was just putting my journals online and it it wasn't trendy at the time. It wasn't something that people did. Then long captions became such a huge thing and writers really surged on social media. It was so beautiful to see. And then reels happened and everyone was like, well, what about the words? Where are the words going to go? And I remember thinking, you know, books get made into movies, but we still read books like it doesn't. We can have both. How have you navigated as a writer in the social media space where everything is like flashy and fast and video and you're like, let's sit and read a word? I think my stubbornness has probably helped the most. (laughs) Um, I'll I'll also say that going back really fast, just to the timing of a book, as someone who's published a book, it's absolutely, you got to be ready for it. Mm -hmm. And you've got to have the timing Mm -hmm. where you feel good about it, because it is such an emotional ride that you want to make sure you're, you know, that you put in your best anyway. So yeah, I'm really stubborn. And, you know, I, I'm really good at, up. I keep up to date on what's yeah. going on, but I also, I sometimes feel like I'm the person that I'm like, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what I think you need. And mm. I think you need to sit down and read something real and God, take yeah. a moment, you know, and I, I just really have kind of stayed true to that because I, in, in some ways it's because I'm just not good at the other things. I'm not as, I'm not as good at it. And I don't, I really didn't want to, I'm fine to show myself and do that, but I didn't want that to be the whole, you know, focus of it. And I really wanted the focus on my words. And, you know, I was doing the black text on white background back in 2016 when everything was about the aesthetics and I was like Mm -hmm. no one's paying attention to me (laughs) you know and I was like that's fine I'm just gonna keep doing my thing you know because I do think also that it all comes back around Mm -hmm. I think we all I can I I'm a pretty good judge of what's a trend and what's kind of like a toxic trend Mm -hmm. that everyone's gonna one day go you know what? That was probably not really that good for us. Yeah. We need to yeah. kind of pull back. And so yeah. I'm like, I'm just not going to go with the trends too much, yeah. even if that's a quick way, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I did some reels, like I put some text over video and stuff. And I really liked that. And I'll, I'll try different things, but I just won't, I won't go too far into the trends because I, it's like, look what happened with books and book talk. No one could have, you know, thought of that. And thought now books it. are cool again. Yes, you know, they are. Like- my daughters are reading like I've never seen them pick up more books. I have a rule in my house that they're responsible for, you know, 
you know, finances for a lot of things, but books will always be something I will buy for them because I just think there's something really special about a book, especially in this world to be able to sit down and have this moment, have an escape. Like you learn so much language. Like there's so much development that happens as a person reading a book. I sometimes like adopt the personalities of the people I'm reading about, but that's like another problem for another day. (laughs) However, I just know how deeply impactful they are. And I've seen that. My daughter is like, oh, I saw this on book talk. Like I saw this on TikTok. I have got to go. There's now a table at the bookstore that's like as seen on TikTok. It's incredible that books are, and like, think about it a few years back bookstores were shutting their doors like left, right and center. And now we're really seeing them and like paper books, like not even just the Kobos and the e-readers, like paper books are coming back. I think it's so special and you're right. Like it is a bit of that stubbornness. And I think it's a bit of that reality too, of even if there's a trend happening, you don't necessarily, like it isn't always ride or die. I think a lot of people went direct to reels because that's all they heard is that they had to do it. And yet my best posts are oftentimes still written word, long caption, a photo accompanying, whatever it is, because that's what connects the most. People will watch a reel and then they scroll by. But what connects and holds people seems to be really feeling that emotional connection to work and and to words. And I think that that's something that you do that's really, really special. Can I ask what you went viral for in 2019 or 2009? Okay. It's totally not what I do now, but I really wanted to work at Twitter. Like I just, um, I just, and so I love, I wanted to go into tech when I was younger. I wanted to be in the startups. I grew up in the Bay area. I'm here right now visiting my parents and, um, I wanted to go into tech. So I made this website. It was like, you know, a year into the recession in the U S and everyone was like, Mm -hmm. you can't get a job. There's nothing you can do. And so I had this idea, I'm going to make this website called twittershouldhireme.com. <laughs> and I made a whole website about why they should hire me and what my skills are and what I do. And it went, I, I finished it at 6 a.m. I put it out on Twitter to my like 600 followers and I went to sleep and I woke up to like, it had been viewed 200,000 times. And at that time, that was really viral for the internet. That's very viral. Like we're talking, yeah, in terms of like shared, think about like that many shares on like a Facebook post or a Twitter post. Like that was very viral. That was a lot. That was like viral before we had the term viral. Viral, yes, yes. (laughs) And I was just like, what is happening? And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I'm getting a call from like Fortune Magazine, CNN, all these people. And I'm like, what did I do? And they're like, and then all these copycats, someone made Google should hire me and this should hire me. And I'm on CNN. Like I was a kid, you know, I thought Mm -hmm. I was like, so, and I didn't even have any bankable skills to Twitter, you know, and just for their PR, they invited me for lunch. So I went to lunch at the Twitter HQ and it was just wild. And I'm so glad I asked this question right now. I'm just like, that was not what I was expecting at all. That's so good. No, I had a lot of, I've always had kind of a lot of gumption, you know, I'm just like, just try it. What's going to happen? And so it went, yeah, I think, I mean, people still talk about it. They'll still, they're like, oh, I remember you from the, you're the Twitter should hire me girl. And I'm like, yes. I mean, yeah, I'm amongst other things. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I've done other things, but that kind of showed me. I was like, oh, I've got something here. Like, I know. And that's the thing. It's like, 
I just, I see the trends and then I go, I'm going to go this way. You know, I'm going to go this other direction. Mm -hmm. I see that everyone's doing this. The only way you can stand out is if you do something different. So I'm Mm -hmm. always trying to, my, my kind of like frustration is always, I try to do something, I'll do something different. And then everyone copies me. I was just going to ask that. Different anymore. I'm like, like in 2018, I started a newsletter and then now Substack and everything exists. Like no one had newsletters and and everyone was like, oh my God, newsletters. Yeah. That's really cool. That's interesting. Cause I would write like a personal essay Mm -hmm. and it went, that was another thing that kind of went viral. People shared my posts all the time. And so people then I called it Friday letters. And then all of a sudden there was like, Sunday night newsletter and Sunday letters and Saturday. And I was like, okay, guys, yeah. <laughs> like, let's get a new thing. Yeah. Let's try it. You know, cause then it, I, I don't look original anymore. I know it's- social media. Okay, let's take a quick pause because I want to talk to you about some dinner ideas, particularly Pillsbury dinner ideas, because I am all about the Pillsbury Crescents. Now, I'm the kind of person that likes to have five ingredients or less and in under half an hour. I've got four kids. We've got a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of different tastes and a couple picky eaters too. So Pillsbury Crescents have been great for us because you can actually customize them to different tastes in the house, have so much fun as fill, roll, bake, So easy, so simple, and you get on with your day or evening. Weeknight recipes are really that easy. Fill, roll, bake. And you can roll up some of your favorite ingredients into a crescent roll. You can take a quick and easy spin on some of your weeknight recipes, such as pepperoni pizza crescent rolls, chicken bacon ranch crescent rolls, ham and cheese crescent rolls, or our favorite pigs in a blanket. Pick up some of those crescent rolls today for that next easy dinner that you need to put together in 30 minutes or less. You can find Pillsbury in the dairy aisle and this dinner prep is in 30 minutes or less and it's picky eater pleasing. Trust me, we have tried and true tested this one. You can head on over to pillsbury.com to find so many different dinner ideas and recipes. And like I said, head on over to pillsbury.com and find some of those incredible ideas and pick up some of those crescent rolls today for that next easy dinner that you need to put together in 30 minutes or less. Let's get back to the show. It's no secret that I have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs who come up with these really cool ideas or are makers, anything from a small maker to a big CEO of a company that you might know and love. Almost all of them run their shops on Shopify. When I hang out with them, it's one of my favorite things when I hear their phones go cha-ching, which is the Shopify new sales sound really brings home that whole experience and getting to see the joy that they have when they're making another sale or their thousandth sale. It is so cool to see how Shopify really catapulted their business to the next level. And if your commerce platform was holding you back or you're looking for a place to start, you owe it to yourself to see what you can do with Shopify. There's so many amazing ways that people create businesses, and I love the tool of Shopify. So let's talk about it. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or an IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business 
get this, without the struggle. I know we hear about the struggle, but it doesn't have to be that way all the time. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. Whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS system, which means point of sale, or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached that audience that you're looking for, Shopify actually has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. I think a lot of us, whether we are in small entrepreneurs, small makers into being running corporations, there's a lot of moments that you feel really got you to that next level. I know what mine is. And I know for so many of my friends who are entrepreneurs, Shopify was that for them. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's truly a global force powering Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size. That's my focus. Every size across 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash papaya, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash papaya to take your business or idea to the next level today. Shopify.com slash papaya. Cha-ching. Welcome Welcome to to Barely Barely Filtered, Filtered, hosted by by us. I'm Aurora Culpo, star of the HBO Max show, The Culpo Sisters. Don't tell my sisters I said so. I'm a recently divorced mom of two living in Los Angeles with my ex-husband. I'm part granola mom, part glamorous jet setter. I'm Kristen Gaffney, also a mom, a startup nerd who modeled for Sports Illustrated Swimsuit and the founder and CEO of Super True. I always like to microdose my coffee before I hit up carpool. Welcome to Barely Filtered, our our safe space. (laughs) Here, we discuss health and wellness, becoming a grown-ass woman, and what's going on in this crazy world. And while we don't agree on everything, we do agree on this. We We want want you to to live live your best life. It's so sticky because like there is no such thing as original thought, but it's also, I mean, I watch my kids do this. My daughter was like super into cosplay. And then I remember it like became really common for kids to like be into cosplay or to go to comic cons. And then all of a sudden this thing that she thought was so cool and so unique and interesting was like pretty commonplace amongst her friends. And I saw her get less interested in it. And I was like, oh, I know that feeling though. when you feel like you have something so different and then it really becomes like commonplace for so many people. But I want to talk about the post that made me hit follow button. And I know that a lot of people saw it on Jillian Harris's story. She talked a lot about it and it brought up a lot of conversation. So I'm going to read the post that you wrote. Please do not credit me and nobody listening. This is Jamie's words. The new trap for women is the trap of relatability. Is she relatable enough? Which is essentially a way of saying, has she stayed small and compact enough that I can like her. The new insult is she isn't relatable anymore and it's shaming and guilting women all in one. Talk to me about what inspired that. Part part of what inspired it was the tone. And I know authors are not supposed to ever talk about their reviews because mm-hmm. we're supposed to pretend that we don't look at our reviews, but sometimes we do just to, yeah. unfortunately. And the tone of my reviews for Radically Content, my first book, started to change in, Mm. in terms of, I can't really relate to her anymore because now 
you know, she's got the book deal and she's got this and she's got this. And I was like, wait a second, I'm still the same Mm -hmm. person that wrote that, you know, and a big thing that was starting with the reviews that I noticed that was just, it was new. It was like, Mm -hmm. I was reading this and then I found out she has like a big Instagram audience. So I don't relate to this anymore. And I'm like, but I got a, it was from my writing, you know, like it's, yeah. And, and then I saw, I was reading a review of someone's podcast and it was really interesting. It was someone I, I know online and the review was like, I used to love this podcast, but since then blank, the, the host has got ha, bought a house in upstate New York and she's just not relatable to me anymore. So I just like, I, I she's annoying now. Mm. And I was like, this is weird, you know? It and then I, weird. it's like one of those things where once you see it, you can't unsee it everywhere you go. And yes. it's like, okay, the thing with relatability, I love that that's where we, we, we went towards authenticity. We wanted people to, you know, speak to us like real people. Yes. I like that. But just the same way with everything with women, I feel like something becomes, it's never just like, this is a good way to be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this will make you connect with people. It becomes or will hate you, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, why, why do we always do that? It's like, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't like this feeling where watching uh, sometimes like for example with like Billie Eilish perfect example yes she gave me I was like stressed watching her her rise because I knew there was gonna be a tear down there's Mm -hmm. gonna be a tear down Mm -hmm. we love the underdog especially Mm -hmm. a woman we Mm -hmm. cheer for her yes do it do it and then she she hits some sort of invisible point Mm -hmm. and we go yeah we don't like you anymore you got yeah. too big. You're too famous. You're too this. You're too You've successful. Changed. Yeah, You've changed. all the things. And she's spoken about it. I mean, she mm-hmm. hasn't used the words relatability, but to me, it's the same thing. You know, it's the same thing of remember the Jennifer Lawrence versus Anne Hathaway thing that was happening. Yes. Jennifer Lawrence was really relatable and she kind of seemed like she'd still be your friend, but Anne Hathaway was like, yeah, I kind of, I deserve this success. Like I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm really trained. I know that I'm good. Thank you for the recognition. And and we were like, you know, mob mentality was, well, we hate her. We love her. And it's because yeah. they, they, they broke the silent contract. And, you know, I just kept seeing it online a lot. I felt it myself that I yeah. have to keep being a certain kind of relatability, you know, especially as I've had these dreams come true. It's Mm -hmm. like, do I have to keep talking about that? I still have self-doubt or, you know, which I, I don't as much anymore, or, you know, how much do I have to keep going back and saying, Oh, but don't worry. I'm still, I'm, I'm doing well, but I'm still really unhappy or I'm Mm -hmm. still this, or I'm still this. And, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. Like I I've done it too. I, I know it's internalized. It's something that we do with women. And I think it's really sad. And I, I felt it and I, I wasn't surprised that people connected with it. Cause I could tell this was happening, but I was kind of surprised by how many people were like, I had people message me going, I do this. I mm-hmm. say this about women. I'm going to mm-hmm. really be aware of this. Yeah. It's a, and it's I was like, a, Ooh. It's huge. And it and it goes so much deeper. Recently, I was uh, with Jillian, actually, that her and I were both guests on Avery Francis hosting Girl Boss podcast. And she brought up 
tall poppy syndrome. And so if you go on Wikipedia, tall poppy syndrome, uh, it refers to people that have success becoming criticized. It occurs when their peers believe they are too successful. An intense scrutiny and criticism of such a person is termed as cutting down the tall poppy. I just find this mind blowing. And I do it too. Like when you were saying like, do I still need to say how like I struggle with imposter syndrome or like that I still have self-doubt? I oftentimes will like start things like I used to be a single mom or like I try and remind people that like I haven't always had opportunity or that I worked for it, that I've earned it. Like it's some sort of thing that I have to do. And I've like never met a dude that did that. I've never met somebody who was like, I came from this and then I worked towards that. So that's why this is exciting. Yet we almost need people to uh, like, we have to be somehow soft and likable enough in a, in a small way to make people like us on a big scale. And the scrutiny will come. Like, I think the criticism will come and you're right. It happens all the way up to like a Billie Eilish, but all the way down to like your like neighbor in her job place, or, you know, somebody you follow on Instagram and it's small little cuts that you don't realize are really damaging an overall person. And then we're like, you know, you've changed. You're not as vulnerable anymore. You don't talk about these things. You're not as uh, like yourself anymore. And it's like, well, how, how do you do that in a space where people just constantly tell you that you're, you know, not how you used to be, or you grew too far away from the version that they liked of you. And I think that it's like a, it's a, it's a constant review, which keeps women, especially women in one place, as opposed to progressing and learning and leading, they're not going to step into leadership and doing good things with the healed versions of themselves and make change in this world. If at every single step of the way, somebody's like cutting them at the ankles. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a very, I, and I think about this because I'm like the patriarchy so loud, but yet why is it that women are the ones that are perpetuating it? We're the ones that are like, we believe that women should have this. We want women to have, you know, the ability to be leaders and all that stuff. But at the same time, when you see women stepping into any role anywhere, I'm not even talking, that's why we talk about the Instagram space. I realize everyone's going to be like, okay, but like right up all the way, like it doesn't matter what the job role is. doesn't matter what it is. People are so ready to cut down women, which is why. And when you see it, you see it you see so many women have comeback stories because they had, they got cut down and then they come back. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we, we like, we love Taylor Swift now, but everybody yeah. forgets that it was, she was uh, on the cutting board, like, you know, for, for so long and people yeah. were so awful to her. And, you know, I don't, I'm not saying she's perfect or anything. No, no, no. And yeah. nobody, cause nobody is. Nobody perfect. is. Yeah. But I think, yeah, the thing with the relatability and and honestly, a lot of stuff that I see on the internet is this lack of kind of like self-awareness where if you're saying that to someone, like you're not relatable anymore, but you're not looking at why do I feel that way? Why is that my response? Why do I need them to be? Yeah. Why do I need them to be be? different or why? Yeah. yeah, Like it is, but then there's also the socioeconomical differences, right? Like there's also, yes, there's the relatability factor, or it could also be that we're watching somebody who has a lot more privilege in the world and it maybe it bothers us the way that they're spending their time or money. It could be any number of things, but I think that that's more where the focus and the conversation should go for ourselves. As you said, like the self-awareness, as opposed to I don't relate anymore and I'm I'm not, you know, because I don't relate to you in a very 
uh, I don't know, connecting way. And it's, it's always an announcement too. And it's so hard. It's so hard when you do feel like you are the same person and you're trying to just be like, wow, it can take very little for somebody to find you on. Like, I just think about someone like Billie Eilish, like, what is it that made her so unrelatable for people? Was it that she was no longer the underdog? Like, what was the moment? Is that that she stopped wearing baggy clothes? Like, what was the moment? But we don't see it. You're right. It's like this invisible line that gets stepped over and everything changes. It's an invisible line. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of women who are in kind of any kind of public position, they know it. Mm. Like they know it. And, yeah, and feel I, it. I feel myself holding certain things back or I feel myself questioning certain things. Can I share this? Is this okay? Yeah. Is this bragging or is this this? Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think that that's really hard to do because I, I'm like, my thing is always kind of like have some self accountability and some power in yourself. If, if you no longer vibe with someone, just like unfollow yeah, and yeah, go yeah. to a different, you know, cause there's certain people that I just don't follow. Like I don't follow people who are, you know, multi, multi, multi millionaires mm-hmm. and they live on yachts or something. Yeah. Cause yeah, I'm fair. like, that's not for me, you know, yeah. at this particular moment in my life. And you know, so there's certain things or certain body types that I don't mm-hmm. follow. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be like, screw you. You shouldn't be able to post. I'm just like, I'm going to take you out of my purview yeah, instead yeah. of hating on you for being someone that I actually like, it's okay to not relate to someone, for but sure. why do you make it their problem? That's the thing. It's like, I think that's the the crux of it that bothered mm-hmm. me so much is like, it's your fault that I don't mm-hmm. relate to you anymore. Mm-hmm. So shame on you for changing. Shame on you for, for getting the success that I cheered on for you, but now yeah. you've done it. Now you've hit some point and it's like, what point was it? And mm-hmm. how can I have not, you know, it's like, okay. So it's just all these things as, as someone who, you know, I really let go of my ambitions and found contentment in myself. And then lo and behold, things started happening that I had dreamed of for a really Mm -hmm. long time. And I engage with them so differently. And I try so hard to explain how different I engage with them. I try to show the full scope of my life. And it's still like, well, you know, like, like people reduce some of my things down really they reduce it down really to nothing. And I'm like, so you've ignored all the work that I've done. I recognize, and you know, privilege is another conversation, of Mm -hmm. course. And I mean, even in my book, it's so funny. I have a privilege disclaimer in my book. I'm like, this is my privilege. This is where I've grown up. And still people in the reviews go, she's just privileged. And I'm like, do I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mention it on every single page, but I also, I, I'm, I'm trying like the, cause the subtext in all of this, the subtext to me is shut up, <laughs> you know, like, really, it's like, I don't want to hear you. You shouldn't get a voice. And it makes me sad too, like even deeper, because I think a lot of people, especially after 2020 feel really powerless potentially in their own lives. And so there's a lot of power of like pulling someone one down. And there's a lot of power in being able to, if you aren't, if you can't have the life you want, at least you can try to take 
someone's someone down. And I have a lot of compassion for that. But I also am like, we need some we need some accountability within ourselves. And we need to understand that when we are feeling something like, like when I'm jealous of someone and I do get jealous. Oh, I get jealous all the time. Yeah. I think it's a normal emotion. We need to talk about jealousy more. Jealousy is like a very, very, the last thing we need is to feel shame about that. It's what we do. It's how we act in jealousy that makes all the difference. Right. Like I get jealous a lot. I don't go to that person and say, I I hate you. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, I got to sit down and figure out myself right now and kind of hear what I have to say. And if I feel like this person is perpetuating something that maybe seems like inauthentic and that's not my vibe, I'm just going to mute or I'm going to go, you know, it's just like, just take it out of my vision, Mm -hmm. in my line Mm -hmm. of vision. Mm -hmm. And, but yeah, this thing of, cause I was, I was very surprised by how many people messaged me and said, I feel this all the time. Like people who have these platforms, who are doing really beautiful things in the world, who are trying to encourage people. Like I, I wrote an email to my people. This was part of the reason I started that post too, where I was like, am I allowed to change with you guys? Like, can I change? Can I tell you that? Like I grew past certain things that I used to write about here And I'm not, I'm no longer seeped in the doubts that I used to have. And I, things come up, but they don't come up as strongly. And I got, I've never gotten more messages, like Mm. so many emails from people being like, you're actually showing me that it's possible to heal. Yes. Yes. Change is a beautiful thing. And just like to your point about so I'm going to say a couple things about, you know, jealousy and this whole thing about relatability. Please. The first one is like in jealousy, I have really chosen to look at it as a spotlight. It's basically showing mm. me something I want. And then I ha- look at that spotlight and I think, is that something that is valuable, that is good, that's workable towards, or is that something I need to work on? If it's jealousy towards like, a woman that is like potentially close to my partner. This has never happened, but like, let's put out that scenario. That's something that I would have to work on. That's something for me to work on in my relationship that I'm feeling jealousy of that. If I'm seeing somebody get a career moment and I'm jealous of it, then I take that and I'm like, wow, she's showing me it's possible and she's showing me how she got there. And that just opened my mind to the fact that it like this jealousy is actually so cool because it's spotlighting something that I actually want to achieve. And maybe I didn't know that before. That's really cool. When it comes to that relatability fact, I always remind myself of the fact that I follow all these travel bloggers. At no point in my life has it been relatable to follow these travel bloggers because they get sent on trips all over the world and their value to us is teaching us how to do it. They're getting these free trips in exchange for so much work that when we Google what to go see in these places, they tell us all the things. I have gotten to see the world through the lens of social media, places that I will never ever see in my entire life because these people show them to me because they were not relatable because they became something so outside of my world that I got to experience it. I follow people who are, you know, you know, they just have an entirely different life than me. And it's taken me a long time to be like, it's so cool to watch somebody have a different life than I have. I don't need to have everything the exact same. And I think a lot of us 
in society, especially women, because we're sort of raised in these very competitive modes and we are taught to be competitive. And that really comes down to a lot of statistics. But ultimately, we were pitted against each other from birth. And we're growing up in a society that loves that the men are sitting back doing their thing and the women are perpetuating it. We're perpetuating it amongst each other. And instead of healing, instead of looking at how we can be better, we we are worse. I'm faulty of this. I'm I've talked about this many times when I was in my 20s. I would gossip about people, I would judge people, I would be so jealous that and and all that was doing was the spotlight was showing I had healing to do, not that they needed to change. And I just think it's important when we scroll social media when we have those jealousy feelings to sort of sit with them a little bit more. And when we have those feelings of like wow, this person's changed. Wonder why that bothers us. And if that's something that we need to reflect upon, I want to see women win. I did a podcast with Nicole Walters and I remember she said something around the lines of like money is really good with her and that when we see good people make money and do good in this world, that's a really incredible thing. Beyond money, opportunity, whatever those things are, other people are going to get it if it's not the women that we champion, right? So I really, I feel strongly that we have to, figure out how to cross that invisible line. We have to figure it out and we have to have really uncomfortable conversations about the nuances, the privilege, the how to navigate, how to keep being a good person in the realm of no longer maybe essentially being relatable to everybody and still growing as a person and still being open to evolving. And I think that it's so fascinating to me that a singular, this is just the power of social media, that singular post that you did written from a personal experience of your own has now triggered so many conversations amongst women on social media. And it's, and it, even now we're sitting and we're talking about it. And I and I love that. I love that your work is putting people in the position to get a little uncomfortable and have a lot of conversation. I want to talk about the books because you have, is it just two <laughs> books? That's all I know since I followed you. Yeah. So I have, well, it's it technically three because I have Radically Content, which is mm -hmm. my nonfiction. And then there's a journal companion to it. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. And then I have my novel main character energy. Oh, okay. Let's talk about main character energy because you shared with me that the main character of the book is actually a plus size woman. How did you come to that conclusion to make her plus size? Because I've never, ever seen it before. I've never, oh. I personally, I'm, I'm sure they exist. I've never read a book where the, the main character was a plus size woman. So tell me a little bit about the book and the story and how it felt writing a nonfiction um, or sorry, okay. a fiction. fiction. I always get that wrong. Yeah, I know. I know it is I kind this, of I'm like, yeah. confusing. So I guess when I started writing novels, my there was just no way I wasn't going to write a plus size main character yeah. over and over because growing up plus size myself, I just never saw it. And mm -hmm. so it would ups, I would get upset that I never saw myself in any capacity other than like the supporting character the funny, you know, fat best friend, the funny, mm -hmm. this, the, the butt of the joke. And I was like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a novel where my main character is, gets her own, her own story. And cause back in 2018, I, I spent a year in France and I was in the South of France for eight months. And I was like, I've never seen anyone my size in the South mm, of France. Yeah. Like they exist, 
but you know, you never see anyone. It's always the con film festival and you're going to feel like you don't belong. And I was just like, I had the time of my life in my body. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to change my body at all. And I was just like, I got to write a book about this. Like not the exact experience, but I was like the character, yeah, the setting, the place, all the yeah. things, the places. And, you know, it was September, 2020 pandemic. I was in LA and lockdown. And I was like, I'm going to write my novel. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. write this. And it's my second novel that I wrote. The first one is novel zero. It was just getting my sea legs about me. It's not yeah. going to go anywhere. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was bad. But this one, I was like, I'm going to really work on it. And yeah, I mean, it's very important to me. I I want that to become a movie. I I feel like I gave my my character a lot of, you know, she it's her story. She doesn't yeah. have to be sidelined. She comes through energy. It's funny. Everything is about main character energy now. And I'm like, I titled that back in 2021 when no one was really saying that. And now it's like, everything is be the main character of your own life and all of this. And I'm like, I have the book. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I got it. So, you know, it's about her feeling like she's the supporting character Mm -hmm. in her own life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she's not doing the things that she wants to do with her life and her aunt dies and leaves her a villa in the South of France. And so she has to go, you know, she has to write a book in six months in order to, she's a novelist and she's not writing and she has to write a book in order to inherit it. And it's Mm -hmm. her up Mm -hmm. against her own self-doubt and her own, but it's not like really heavy on like her body, you know? Okay. I love that. Like, like there's some parts of it, you know? Yeah. It's not her she's more like she's the type of character where she's like other people have a problem like my mom has a problem with my body and society has told me but I don't she's like confident you know which is what my experience has been Mm -hmm. because I never got it I'm like why is everyone talking yeah I'm just living my life man you know like I just (laughs) want to do my thing so I felt like that was really important and I wanted her to Um, you know, especially on the cover, I wanted her to be front and center, like have her moment, have her actual body on there, not just like a little headshot. Yeah. And I just felt there was a lot of intentionality in this Mm -hmm. book and a lot of things that I think when people read it, they'll be like, wow, I I try to, when I read books, I see things that are really obvious and I try to subvert that in my own writing. You know, like the men in this book do a lot of the emotional labor. Okay. The, the women don't, you know, <laughs> love it. So I, ch- yeah, it's like, and she's really ambitious and her love interest isn't. And so there's some subversion there of yeah. things that I've seen that I'm like, I got it. We've seen it a lot. Yeah, and yeah, art, yeah. art informs how we do the world and, and yeah. exist in the world. So I really had felt a responsibility that anything I put out there is something that maybe we haven't seen like a really confident plus size character, a character who, yes, sometimes she talks about her body, but she's talking about other things too, because that's how life is. And we have a love interest that doesn't fetishize her body. Mm -hmm. He just, he's never Mm -hmm. mentions it. He he does not mention her body. It's just, he likes her, you know, he thinks she's amazing. And, you know, we have, I did a lot of things that were just really different than I think I've seen which is why I love writing novels. I mean, I Mm -hmm. love writing nonfiction. I liked writing about myself with Radically Content, but I felt like Radically Content, I was like, I said it. I told Mm -hmm. my story. It's being Mm -hmm. made into a movie. I think I'm Mm -hmm. good, you know? So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to 
I'm going to write novels now. So, and that will continue to be the pattern of these really strong female characters and subverting a lot of the tropes and, you know, kind of obvious things that as I was growing up, I was like, I mean, I went on like a media blackout for a lot of my twenties. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, like TV sucks. Like it's, <laughs> I just feel like insulted every time I turn on yeah. the TV as a woman, as a plus size woman, as a yeah, person yeah. in the world. So, you know, I just, uh, I I'm trying to do something very different with my art and I hope it's going to be received really well. And you know what? I think it's I think it's important for all people to sort of read books like this because I've spent my whole life reading books about thin women getting, you know, the love interest and all of that stuff. And you're right. It's usually the fat, funny friend. And I lived that life. That was my high school shtick. Like, that's what I did. So I get it. And I also am like, as somebody who likes to adopt the characters I'm reading, this is probably a very healing book for a lot of people too, but also really on a, on a larger scope too, almost every woman I know deals with a, some sort of internalized fat phobia. And to be able to read a novel where the character is, you know, getting to experience life and running through her storyline. And that's, you're not afraid that she's bigger or it's not like a negative on her life that that actually will do a lot of healing for people that will eventually at some point of her life, we're all going to gain weight probably. And it's nice to see characters and people winning. I think that's why social media has really shifted and we've seen so much change. It goes back and forth, obviously, but I think that's like a lot of really good healing. And so I think it's going to be a really subtle way for people to also love on themselves and to work on that internalized fat phobia by reading a book where the main character is a plus size. And I think that's super cool that you did that. I'm excited to read it myself. I think it's going to be like top of my summer read list because I'm really, really, I'm having a vacation, like a four day vacation in July. And I think that's going to be my book, but tell everyone where they can sort of find you, find the books and tune into your work because it's not just social media. It's also fiction, nonfiction. You've got a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, uh, the best place to find everything that I'm doing is my website, jamiebarron.com. I also put everything on my social media. So I have Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you know, all the things. And I have a newsletter, so you can sign up for that. And my novel, my Radically Content's already out, so that's available. My novel doesn't come out till September 5th. No! Um, I know, I know. <laughs> all right, Dream Dash, it'll be my, it's fine. I'll read it this fall. It's amazing. <laughs> I just love a summer book, but that's good. I, I know. I have like a slight issue with books sometimes because I can use them as like major forms of escapism. But when in the summertime, I like really unleash. It's my favorite. Yeah. I love it so much. I know. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a, I mean, yeah, it's, it's early summer or late yeah. summer that it's coming out, but September amazing. 5th. Yeah. So that's it's available for pre-order. That is definitely the best way to support, even though I have a book out, it, this is like debut this novel. Is it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Ooh, if you want to support. So get exciting. The, get the book, and we'll be able to it. all say, you know, that movie that's coming out. I read the book when I pre-ordered mm-hmm. that before we get to yeah. be like original fans, which is kind of right. a cool thing. We get that notion now when we want to say it. So thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Jamie, so much. This is such a cool conversation. Yeah. I think everyone's going to really have a lot of things to take away. And for everyone listening, I'm going to have everything in the show notes for you as well. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. 
Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories and don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.